Hope you're all doing well this morning. Um, for those of you I don't know, my name is Todd. I'm the pastor here at uh, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I'm so glad that you're here this morning worshiping on this beautiful, beautiful fall day. And um, I have been gone the last two weeks. I missed being here uh, the, the last few weeks. Um, two weeks ago, uh, I told our Island Kids director that um, I wasn't preaching and so that I would work in Island Kids. And so two weeks ago, Cody preached here, and I was over on the other side of the wall. Um, in the first service, I was with fourth and fifth graders. And don't you know it, it ends up they're taller than me, most of them. <laughs> so uh, that was a little menacing for me, but um, we had a good time. And then um, I thought that was going to be the worst of it, and then I went into the three, four, and five-year-olds. <laughs> and they're almost taller than me. But anyway... Um, uh, I had fun back there, and it was a good time. And I got to tell you this. Um, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago, if you're a parent, you're qualified. Um, and I still believe that after <laughs> serving myself in there. I really, truly still believe that, um, although I had my doubts uh, a few times. But um, I had fun. I had fun with your kids. They're awesome. And I want to encourage you, if you're a parent, you got to get back there in Island Kids and serve sometime. It is, uh, it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. And um, I also have a new appreciation for those of you who serve our children, both our students and in Island Kids. And so I want to say thank you to our volunteers that serve so faithfully. I told uh, Diane, I haven't, I haven't um, gotten the courage enough to tell Cody this yet. I don't know where Cody is, but I haven't gotten the courage to, to tell him. There he is. I haven't got, had the courage to tell him this yet, but um, I told Diane, um, when I'm not preaching in the future, I want to be back there helping them out, but I haven't told Cody that in student ministry yet. So um, anyway, one of these days I'll show up and, and help out. Um, and then, um, so Cody preached uh, two weeks ago, and then um, last week I took just a weekend off, honestly, to get away by myself. Um, my sister-in-law who's here had a place for me to stay, and I appreciate that. I just got away and got some rest and prayed through 2000, the rest of 2012 and 13 um, in terms of our message series and that sort of thing. I prayed for you all, um, and I prayed for my family and my kids, and it was a nice time away, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. And I heard y'all had an incredible um, Lord's Supper service, communion service, and um, I heard that was great. And, um, you know, as a pastor, when you're gone for a couple weeks and you're like, man, the last two weeks were awesome. <laughs> All right, great. I see how this is going. Uh, so anyway, thank you. Um, but, uh, and Cody did a great job. I listened to his message while I was gone. Um, and uh, Cody, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it so much, man. <clears throat> we have a student pastor um, who can bring God's word. And I am very thankful for that. And if you have a student who's in our student ministry, uh, man, they're in for it because he is, um, God has gifted him. And uh, so I'm very excited about where our students are. Now, um, I, I, I want to kind of bring you up to speed because we're right in the middle of a series that is a six-week series, and we've broken it up with communion last week. The first three weeks of the series called Illuminate, um, they, they really were introspective, weren't they? It had to do with, you know, our relationship with God. That first week we kind of talked about the fact that there's a difference between being a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower of him. Um, there's a very distinct difference, isn't there? Um, and some of you made a commitment to become true followers, not just believers. Um, you're going to heaven if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But, you know, for your time here on earth, um, the Bible 
encourages us, strongly encourages us to become followers of him and all that that means. The week two, we learned that there are intentional things that um, a growing follower does to get closer to Jesus and to get to know him better. And we talked about Bible study and prayer and fellowship. And um, many of you got involved in, in our, uh, our small group ministry, which we call life groups. And I'm so excited for that. All of our life groups are full this fall, and so we're very excited about that. And then two weeks ago, in our third week of this series, Pastor Cody encouraged you and challenged you to be a person worth remembering. Isn't that right? And um, so he encouraged all of us um, that we shouldn't bring medicine to those who, who are, are well. We need to find those who are sick and bring them the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that, that God's word is intended for all of us, but the gospel message, the good news of, of Jesus Christ, of the redemption of, of mankind, is really for those who don't know him yet. And so Cody encouraged you on that, and he used a term that I want us to begin to use more and more, and that's pre-Christian. I love that word. Because it really gives us the connotation and the idea that we're supposed to go out to those who um, don't know Jesus as their Savior. And we're supposed to tell them. And really that's what this whole series is about. This series called Illuminate. But we wanted to begin with those first three weeks of really establishing these kind of foundational anchor issues that, man, I can't illuminate my world if I'm not a follower. I can't illuminate my world if I'm not involved in these uh, spiritual disciplines, and I can't illuminate my world if I'm taking the message to those who already know. And um, today we begin to kind of turn the corner a little bit. And today begins the, uh, the second part of this series in which we'll look outward, we'll look at what it means to illuminate our world, how we do that, and where we go uh, to do that over these uh, next few weeks. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 5. Open them up to Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, the uh, verses will be on the screens. And uh, we're going to be in the ESV, the English Standard Version, here this morning. This is our kind of our main passage, and it's kind of our focal point for this series. And uh, I want to encourage you to to read this passage, maybe even, even in, in your own time with God here this week, and I want to encourage you to kind of um, dwell on it and really uh, ponder um, Jesus's words here. And before we dive in too much further, let's just take a moment and ask God to bless our time this morning. Father God, thank you so much for all that you've done in this narrative of you and man. God, you loved us so much, your word says, that you sent your son to die a brutal death so that we can have eternal life. And for that, we're thankful. And God, today I pray as we consider how illuminating our world connects with our propensity to walk according to your spirit, Father God, I pray that your spirit does lead us into truth and wisdom and knowledge and understanding of your word. And God, even if we've read these passages that we're going to consider today dozens of times, I pray that you would just allow those words to leap off the page and hit a square between the eyes. And I pray that it would penetrate our hearts. And Father, that we would be changed as a result of your word and your work in our lives. Guide us in our time together and may it be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Jesus is in the midst of his ministry. And he decides one day that he's going to go walk up on the side of a mountain. And as rabbis did in this day and age, they always had people following them. 
And so Jesus walks up on the side of this mountain, and he begins to teach. He begins to teach what I believe is his most, really his most important teaching in all of Scripture. And he taught often. He was a rabbi. That's what Jewish rabbis did in that day and age. They would teach, and people would listen, and hopefully they would respond. But Jesus begins teaching here in Matthew 5, and Matthew, uh, his disciple, was there, and he recorded it. And we have today Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is the record of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, all right, you guys are way awake, way further awake than the 930 was. Okay, um, the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus is up there, and he's teaching, and he's giving instruction on how to live the Christian life. And um, he goes through what we have now today called the Beatitudes. He gives several different ways that... Um, uh, we are blessed, and they're counterintuitive. They're counterculture. They're different than what we might think. And then he jumps right in to giving his followers instructions on what their goal is, kind of a, a 40,000-foot overview of what followers of Jesus are supposed to do. And that's what we're going to take a look at today and really over these next few uh, three weeks, all right? So take a look at Matthew 5, verses 14, 15, and 16. You, he says, are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. We get an old Sunday school song from that, don't we? You know, okay, I won't sing it. I'll spare you that pain. But put it on a stand. They put it on a stand, and it gives light to all of the house. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your, I want you to say it with me in the next two words, good works, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, we're going to dig into this passage a little bit deeper kind of in our last point, but, but to summarize it, we're supposed to be the light of Jesus Christ to the world. And for the purpose of this message, for the purpose of this morning, here's what I want you to think. I want you to think your world, your sphere of influence. Think with me for a moment about the people that you have influence over. Moms and dads, it begins in your home, doesn't it? The people who are in your homes. Uh, if you're a businessman or businesswoman here, it, it extends to your workplace, the people who are in your workplace. Maybe it's your employees, maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's an employer that you have a sphere of influence with. Students, it's, it's those other students that you sit next to in class. It's those students that you go to their homes on the weekends. It's those ones that you play sports with, that you rub shoulders with. What is your sphere of influence? And for the purpose of this message here today, I want you to think about, think with me about who you influence. And over the course of the next weeks, we'll expand that a little bit. But I want you to think about who you influence. That's the beginning of what Jesus is talking about. That's the start. Be a light to your world, your sphere of influence. Now, Jesus does something else here that I think is really interesting. And it may seem a little bit counter uh, what he has said before. It may seem to uh, maybe disagree with something he said, but it absolutely doesn't. He says that we should do this so that our good works, the good things that we do as Christians, that they will be seen by men for the glory of God, so that people will be drawn to God. And he says these two words. He says, good works. 
And you know what he meant by that? Good works. There's nothing different than what we think Jesus was talking about. He was talking about doing good things for people. Now, make no mistake. The New Testament makes it clear that good works are not required for heaven. That doing good does not absolve sin. (laughs) That doing good is not a prerequisite for you to be a good Christian. It has no connection with heaven. It has no connection with who we are in Christ. So it kind of begs the question, and I don't know about you, but one of the burning questions that I've had throughout my life is if we, if as Christ followers, we we have faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, then why even do good in the first place? Why even start? If doing good doesn't, you know, Uh, um, counteract what we've done bad, if doing good doesn't give us heaven, if doing good doesn't give us salvation, then why are we supposed to do it? And I think that Jesus answers that question right here in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. We don't do good works because it's connected to salvation. We don't do good works to get an extra one-up on someone else when we get to heaven. We don't do good works to be showy and to show ourselves more important or better than someone else. We ought to do good works because all that does is point to God the Father and point to the message of salvation. And so we ought to do good things because Jesus tells us that that's part of telling the world, it's part of illuminating our world. Now, as I've said before, Jesus never asks us to do something in our walk with him and or in our work for him that he himself hasn't done. Jesus did a lot of good works, didn't he? I mean, just besides the fact that he preached and that he had a message of, of, of um, a connection with God that went beyond rules and regulations, that there's a friendship that we, that we can have with God, he went beyond that and he did a lot of good things. Think with me for a moment just about his miracles, Jesus performed miracles. He, he, he fed and he, he met the physical needs of people even sometimes before he met the uh, spiritual needs of people. Do you realize that? Jesus did so many things to meet the physical needs of his world around him. He showed up one day for lunch or perhaps dinner and the restaurant that was serving 5,000 people was out of food. And so he turned fish, five fish and five loaves, into enough food to feed 5,000 people. You see, he met the physical need of all these people who were hungry. They were hungry, and he met their physical needs. He was at a wedding party one night, and they ran out of wine. (laughs) Can't believe that happened. That's tragic, isn't it? (sighs) But Jesus turned water into wine. He turned water into wine. He saw two men who had leprosy, and he healed them. He brought physical healing to those who had lesions on their arms and covering their bodies from head to toe. People that would stand outside the city gates and no one would have any communication with them for months and they usually would end up dying in despair. Jesus healed people who had leprosy. He saw a man's daughter who was dead and he brought her back to life. Jesus met physical needs, and in doing so, he did good. He met physical needs. I want you to capture this. Please don't miss this. He he met physical needs in his miracles, in these miracles that we've just been talking about. 
I mean, he could have in his miracles, he was basically saying that I am God, and he was pointing and giving glory to God. And he could have done it in a number of ways, couldn't he? He was all God, even though he was all man. And that may be hard for us to understand, but he, he could have, like, done magic stuff, right? He could have made something levitate or move something and show that he was God. But I want you to capture this. Jesus met physical needs even in his demonstration that he himself was God. And I think that's a point that we can't miss. Jesus gave us a great illustration and a great demonstration that we, in meeting the spiritual needs of people, ought to look at their physical needs first. Because that's often how we're going to communicate the spiritual is through the physical. And so Jesus met physical needs, and he calls us here to do good deeds, to help other people. He calls us to meet the needs of those in our world. But let's face it, we're not divine, we're not Jesus, we can't do miracles. So how do we best go about meeting the needs of those in our world? I want you to take a look at your notes this morning. And we're going to find out three different ways that we can connect the Holy Spirit to our ability to do good works. Okay? Now, um, take a look at the first point here. Uh, uh, the first point is this. As a true follower of Christ, you will become aware of God's Spirit becoming active in your life. Now, let me just pause here for a moment and say this. The Holy Spirit was given, and we'll see this in a moment, it was given by God to help, to counsel, to get, help us have knowledge and understanding about Scripture, to convict us, to challenge us of things. The Holy Spirit was given when Jesus left the earth to believers in Acts 2 so that they would not feel like Jesus had completely left them. But I don't want you to miss this. Each one of you who have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, each one of you at that moment of salvation, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You have the Holy Spirit living with you at that moment that you ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, and he does the same thing for you that he did for the first church all the way back in the first century in Acts chapter 2. Take a look at what Luke says. Luke wrote the book of Luke, and then he went on to write the book of Acts, and it's kind of a history of the first church. Take a look at what happened in Acts 1 verse 8. Jesus is back on earth, and he says to his followers, but you will receive power, I want you to say that with me, power with, with the, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now we're going to come back to that in the next couple weeks and we're really going to dig in and take a look at what the second half of that verse means. But I want to point out that he gives the Holy Spirit to each one of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and he provides the Holy Spirit one part of the three parts of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works in our lives in a variety of different ways. And we'll do a sermon series at some point in time on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But suffice it to say, it's the Holy Spirit that helps guide our lives. And we may not even understand, we may not even know what's going on, but we sense that something is going on. When that happens, once you become a Christian, that's the Holy Spirit beginning to work in your life. In Acts 2, Luke describes the Holy Spirit as wind. In Acts 2, verse 3, I believe it is. And he describes the Holy Spirit as wind. Um, 
did any of you know that yesterday was a particularly windy day? I did when we were driving the van back across the bridges onto Hilton Head Island. We were back, we were out at the uh, pumpkin patch out in, in uh, uh, Ridgeland yesterday with the family, and we were coming back over, and um, it was quiet in the car, it had gotten quiet in the car, and I, I, I felt the van moving to the right and then moving to the left, and I had to keep it kind of in the middle, and my, I grabbed the steering wheel a little harder and realized that that steering wheel was kind of going back and forth. And I could feel the wind in my seat, and I could feel it kind of pushing the car back and forth, especially as we came over those bridges. I didn't see the wind. It wasn't visible to me. I couldn't reach out and touch it, but I could feel the wind's effects. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The Holy Spirit touches our lives, guides our lives, brings conviction, wisdom, brings comfort in our lives, and we sense it even though we may not see it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And I think part of the problem in the, the Christian community is that we're not aware enough of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so my challenge to you, first and foremost, is be aware of God's Holy Spirit working in your life. Be aware of the Spirit of God moving in your life. Even all the way back in the Old Testament, the Old Testament even speaks about the Spirit of God moving in the lives of His people. And we ought to be in tune and be aware. You know the, the, what the best way to do to be aware of the Holy Spirit working in your life? Ask God to have the Holy Spirit work in your life. Ask Him. Ask Him daily. Ask for the Holy Spirit to be working in your life on a daily basis. But here's my caution. You better be ready to change. Because if the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, you will change. Am I right? You will change. The Holy Spirit prompts us and guides us and convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit comforts us when we're down. The Holy Spirit provides knowledge from God's Word. There are so many things the Holy Spirit does. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit guides us to tell others, pre-Christians, as Cody taught us two weeks ago, about the message of Jesus Christ. So be aware of the Holy Spirit, and if you're not, ask God to give you an awareness of God working in your life, God's Holy Spirit working in your life. Take a look at the second point this morning. Once you're aware of the Holy Spirit working in your life, point number two applies in your life. As a true follower of Christ, you have a choice to obey the prompting of God's Spirit in your life. You have a choice to obey the prompting of God's Spirit in your life. I am, um, I'm a bit of a neat freak. Any other neat freaks out there? Am I the only one? All right, thank you. A room full of neat freaks. We all need counseling. Okay, anyway, I'm a neat freak, and you can tell it in my office. If you walk in my office, you're probably like, he doesn't do any work. There's nothing on his desk. When does he ever work? I'm a neat freak. I can't work in chaos. I have a hard time. And the same thing applies at home. Um, and the good news is I married someone just like me. <laughs> And uh, Cynthia is just like me. We like things neat, don't we, dear? And we like things neat. We like things in order. Um, but I promise you, our poor kids, I promise you we're not always like, you know, Nazi parents with our kids. We let them get stuff out of their rooms, and we let them build cities in the house and that sort of thing. But our rule of thumb is, is that every night they clean it up, right? 
So there are some nights, not too often, but there are some nights that in the process, the painstaking, lengthy process of cleaning up all the toys by the kids, there are some nights that there's a bat left in the living room or a doll left in the kitchen or a car left where I can trip over it in the middle of the night. And I'll go up to the kids and I'll stand over that toy or that game or whatever and I'll go, <clears throat> and I'll look at the doll over in the kitchen and I'll go, Sydney, <clears throat> Right there. Sydney has a couple things that she has to do before she goes to bed or before she uh, goes to school. And one of them is feeding the dog and the other is making the bed. And not too often, but every once in a while she'll forget to do that. And so I'll stand by the water bowl and the food bowl for the dog and I'll go, <clears throat> and I'll stand at the threshold of her room and I'll point to her bed that's all in a mess and I'll go, <clears throat> and then we're late for school. Cynthia walked in the other day after a particularly long day, and the kids didn't even look up, which is very unusual for them because they were so into what they were doing at the time. And I kind of stood over by mom, and I said, <clears throat> and they came and gave her a hug. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, y'all. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. <clears throat> You need to stop doing what you're doing. <clears throat> you need to start doing what you know is going to help you in your walk with God. The Holy Spirit in our lives prompts us. That's the <clears throat> part of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. The problem is, is that we have a choice, don't we? To listen and obey or to ignore God's Holy Spirit in our lives. And the reason that on this island we have 26,000 or 25,000, about 700 and some odd people who don't have a church home and many of whom have never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior is because there have been time and time again where Christians have heard the Holy Spirit go, ah, you need to go talk to that person, and we've ignored it. We've ignored it. And I want you to hear this, Christ follower. When we ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we don't even have a chance to illuminate a very dark world. We don't even have a chance to go out there and to tell our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and fellow students about the love of Jesus Christ when we aren't listening and willing to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, before you become a Christian, when you feel guilty about something, that's, that's your own conscious telling you that you should feel guilty about that. But when you become a Christ follower, when you have conviction of sin, when you feel bad about something you've done, or when you stay away from something that you know you should stay away from, or when you run towards something that you know you should, or when you tell someone about Jesus Christ or invite them to church or your small group, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. It is no longer guilt. It is no longer the power of you in you. It's the power of God in you. Because I want to tell you something. The power of you in you will one day run out. The power of you in you to make those corrections, you can stifle that. But the Holy Spirit will continually and constantly be a point of challenge, encouragement, knowledge, but also conviction to do the right thing. Listen to what Jesus says, as recorded by the 
writer of the Gospel of John in John 15, 26, and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. If God is telling you to do that good thing, that good deed, if he's telling you to go across the street and give a meal to a neighbor who just moved in, do it. Listen. If he's telling you to, to call a friend who's going, been going through a particularly difficult time, respond positively and do it. And I want you to capture this. The reason I use this particular version is because it describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. See, we often view the <clears throat> in our lives as discipline. But that's not really true, is it? The Holy Spirit is there to help us, to help us grow in our faith, to help us to be the light of the world, to help us not to hide the light of Christ in our lives. He's the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who in your life will give you the power and the courage and the conviction to tell people that you're a Christ follower and be proud of it and not be ashamed of it. He's the one that gives you the ability to not be ashamed of the gospel. And so we need to listen. We need to be aware of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to listen, and then we need to do what the Holy Spirit says in our lives, which leads me to point number three. When we listen to God's Spirit, we cannot help but be a reflection of God's Spirit, which will illuminate the world around us. When we listen to God's Spirit, we cannot help but be a reflection of God's Spirit, which will illuminate the world around us. This is the part when you just do the good deed because the Holy Spirit is prompting you. And you have no reservation about doing that thing. You just respond to the way God is leading. You see, when you're aware of the Holy Spirit, when you listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, then you do those things. Then you become a person who can illuminate the world around you. I've said this before, I, I'm not at all impressed by little Christian platitudes and Christian quotes and that sort of thing that are said without any meaning, and um, that's, maybe that's bad, I don't know, but sometimes I think that we as Christians just say these little quotes and these little things just to say them, and they, they hold no weight and they have no meaning, and one of them is this, and I hope I'm not the only one in here that doesn't like this, we're supposed to be Jesus with skin on. I don't know why that's always bugged me, but it's always bugged me. Now, I've probably said it before, so shame on me, but um, it, it's always bugged me. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because maybe the person that said it wasn't. <laughs> Perhaps, I don't know, or maybe just because I didn't quite understand it. But I think that I've come to understand that when people say that we need to be Jesus with skin on, this is what they're talking about. That we represent to the world around us we represent Christ. We're his representative here on earth. I want to look at Matthew 5, 14 through 16 again. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You realize back in that day and age when there was a city with its lights in the midst of the darkness of the countryside in that day and age, it stuck out like crazy, didn't it? That's what Jesus has given us a picture of, a city like on a hill. It cannot be hidden. That's how we ought to be with our faith. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Jesus is saying, when you hide your faith, you don't harm you. You harm those who don't get the opportunity to hear. 
It's those who would ordinarily hear that you're keeping your faith from that you harm. Because maybe, maybe, maybe you're the only person that will connect them in their life to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand so that it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, Jesus is saying, just like those analogies, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. It's a very famous teaching. It's a very well-known teaching. There have been songs that have been written and poems that have been written and lots of messages that have been written on this. But what does it mean? Well, I want you to hear this. I think the first thing is, is that it means to do good works right here, right now. Wherever you are, when given the opportunity, serve. Wherever you are, given the option, make it happen. Whenever you have the opportunity to serve one, serve someone, allow that to be a natural response of the Holy Spirit working in your life. It's kind of the first thing that I want to point out. Serving others becomes a natural response. It shouldn't be forced. We shouldn't feel like we have to have our arms twisted. Todd's talked about that a thousand times. So yeah, I guess I'll finally do it. And we don't feel we shouldn't have to feel that way because the Spirit of God is working in us to the point that we just naturally respond. We have an opportunity for all of you to serve and to do good works coming up this coming Saturday. And I've asked Carrie Beck to come on up here and grab the mic. You know, we can't do miracles. We can't turn water into wine. We can't heal the sick. But you know what we can do right here and right now in our community is we can help put clothes on the backs of people who don't have clothes or have few clothes. Isn't that right, Carrie? Right. Tell us how that connects with what we've been talking about, about letting our light shine, uh, the clothing connection this Saturday. Well, the clothing connection, um, and I've mentioned this before, but it just fulfills a basic need that we as Christ followers are charged to do, and that is to not only uh, fulfill the basic needs of our local community, mm -hmm. But also, we have a chance just to witness to these people and love on anybody that comes in that door. So. Absolutely. And this is, uh, we've been doing this clothing connection for several years here in the fall um, in partnership with uh, Low Country Community Church. And um, so it's coming up this Saturday. And from everything I've seen on that side of this wall, we have an, a lot of clothes, don't we? We have a lot of clothes. Okay. <laughs> So we we're good on clothes, clothes, right, Carrie? We're good on clothes. If you have them in your car today, I'm not going to turn them away. <laughs> But make no additional trips. The rest. Of the <laughs> Save week. it for next year, okay? Save it, Save it for something take else, it to okay? Goodwill. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Take yeah. it to Goodwill. Yep, great. Um, and because we have so many clothes back there, we still have needs for sorting and um, folding throughout the week. We've had an amazing volunteer response that has been uh, working very steadily on those clothes, but. Um, we they uh, they're growing the bags. <laughs> <laughs> they're like the loaves and the fishes. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> so um, Monday through Thursday, the church offices are open. They're open from nine to four, and we're also going to do sorting and folding on Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And Wednesday we're going to do about six to eight thirty, and Tuesday the same about the, the same. same same yeah. time six to eight thirty. So if you're available, please please um, don't hesitate to stop by. You see, there are some tangible ways to serve throughout the week. Tell us about the weekend. The, the event actually is Saturday, noon, uh, 8 to noon. 8 to noon. So what we're going to need the day of the event is volunteers just to help um, be stationed around the room, to help get people in and out, serve refreshments, uh, help entertain their children while they're um, 
perusing the selection here. So I need volunteers the whole day of the event as well as like a 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. shift and then a 10 a.m. to about 2 p.m. shift. Uh, the event itself runs 8 to noon. So if you're available any or all of those times, please let me know. I know that schedules get crazy. There is a sign-up sheet in the back at Guest Services um, by Ashley, so um, you can see her about that as well. And uh, I'll contact you throughout the week. I'm working on our schedule right now. So if you have the availability and the interest, I would love for you to be a part of that. So you all can show up at any time, 9 to 4, Monday through Thursday, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. But if you want to help us on Saturday, please let us know because we have to coordinate that. And we have to coordinate all the volunteers who are helping out. In particular, we have to turn this room back into a church uh, on Saturday afternoon, and so we could use some help afternoon on Saturday. Afternoon on Saturday, and, and also this afternoon after this service, we are taking this room and um, t turning it into the clothing connection. Right. So we're going to need help stacking chairs and moving tables and bringing out clothes. So Fantastic. if you are so inclined, we would love for you to stay this afternoon too. Fantastic. Very good. And Carrie has worked tirelessly on this, and I want to give her just the honor. Great job. Great job. And I'm going to tell y'all the same thing I said to the first service. This is not, has anything to do with me. This is all of you all. Every single hand that has brought in clothes or has folded or sorted, that is the type of um, servant's heart that's going to make this event a success. So thank you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Carrie. I appreciate it. And thank you who have volunteered so far. That's the right here, right now. We don't do it to bring glory to Hilton Head Island Community Church. Carrie doesn't, to bring glory, doesn't do it to bring glory to herself. We don't do these. We're certainly not Macy's, okay? I mean, it's, you know, we're not in the clothing business. We are in the people business. And this is a point of connection. This is a real way that right here and right now, each one of you can help out throughout this week leading up to Saturday. And so I want to encourage you to do that. You know, it's interesting, as, I, as I've pondered this and thought about um, why we don't listen to God's Holy Spirit when it comes to, to pre-Christians, when it comes to interacting with pre-Christians, we'll talk about more of that, about that next week. Why don't we do it? I think there's a lot of reasons. Sometimes we're just lazy, uh, you know? I don't feel like getting out of bed. Oh, man, I get that. I understand that. Sometimes there's just something better to do. There's just something better Sometimes we're distracted by just the stuff of life. But I would imagine that many times it's because we, see, we feel so inadequate. We feel like we're not educated enough. We feel like we don't have enough courage. We feel like we don't have all the answers. We don't feel like we can fix people. We don't feel like we can bring it to a close. Like, we feel so incredibly inadequate. And that drives at this last point as we close this morning. We are not the source of light. We are the reflection of that source. We are the reflection of the source of light who is Jesus. And what Jesus is asking us to do by lighting our world is not to be the source, but to be a reflection now, I'm going to have you guys help me with this closing illustration this morning, okay? We're almost done, I promise. Each one of you, look under your seat and see if there's a mirror. And if there's a mirror, I'm just going to ask you to hold it. Just hold it for a moment. Some of about 30 of you have mirrors, okay? Guys, no primping, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Guys, please, primp, okay? Uh, 
I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to do something with that mirror in a second, but I want you to catch this. Please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Jesus is not asking us to be a source of light. He's not asking us to be the source, just like Cody talked about two weeks ago, that we are not the medicine. We're not the doctor. We don't have to solve all the problems. All he's asking us to do is with our lives and our words, and don't miss this, with our good works, which we all have an opportunity to do right here and right now, we can be a reflection of the light. Take those mirrors and hold them way up high with the mirror facing me. You see, in the midst of everything that's going on, we can reflect the light in the darkness. Each one of us have the opportunity to reflect the light of Jesus, who is the source. We aren't the source. He's the source. And he gives each one of us the opportunity to reflect his light. You think that you have to solve all the problems of everybody that you know? All you have to do is reflect the light of Christ. You can put those back under your seats. I want you to think mirror rather than flashlight. When it comes to pre-Christians, when it comes to those in your sphere of influence, I want you to think, how can I influence them? All I have to do is reflect Jesus. I don't have to be the light. I just have to reflect the light. I don't have to have all the answers. I just need to provide what I know from Scripture, from God's Word. I don't have to be perfect. You're not going to be, by the way, even if you try. But I can reflect the character and the traits and the words of Jesus Christ to my world. I'll bet those of you who are Christians in here, I'll bet that there's someone in your life who at some point in time in their life, when the Holy Spirit prompted them, when they got that <clears throat> from God's Holy Spirit, and they opened their mouths, and they acted and they served you, I'll bet each one of you who are Christ followers have someone in your life like that. Maybe it's a mom or a dad. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a pastor. But each one of us who are Christ followers, we have someone who, who led us to Christ, maybe directly, maybe indirectly. And they realized at some point in their life that they're not the source of light. They're not the flashlight. They're the mirror. And they can reflect his traits. For me, it was my second grade teacher. She reflected the traits and the characteristics of Jesus Christ in such a way that she had gave me an opportunity and led me in a prayer to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And each one of you can be like that for someone else. Are you willing to step up to the plate and do that right here and right now, serving him, being that light of Christ? Father God, I pray that you would just help us to understand what it is that you want us to do. Father God, help us to understand that you sent the Holy Spirit to guide us, to prompt us, to lead us. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be aware of your moving in our lives. We can't reach out and touch your Holy Spirit, but God, we can see the results of you moving in our lives. And I pray that you would help us to do that today. And Father God, I pray that you would help us to know when you're prompting and to be obedient to that. 
And Father God, whether it's to stop a habit, a, a lifestyle, or whether it's to go into a lifestyle that's more pleasing to you, or whether it's to reach out and to tell someone about what you've done in our lives or to lead them and ask them to come to church with us, whatever you're prompting us to do that's in accordance with your will, Father God, I pray that we would be obedient and that wherever we are, right here and right now, Father God, that you would help us to have the courage to reflect your characteristics and your traits. And God, that we would speak words that line up with yours. And Father, that we would lead people the way that you led people. And Father, I pray that you would just give all of us, not just a few, not, I pray that we would be a church that doesn't just contain a few reflectors of your light. God, I pray that we are a church where all of us catch this vision, that we catch this understanding that each one of us has the opportunity to be that mirror and to reflect you appropriately. Help us to do that, Father. Help us to be like that city out on a hill, like that lamp that can't be hidden. Help us, Father, to look at our sphere of influence and help each one of us to light our world the way that you want us to. In Jesus' name, I pray.